you cruising through life not always knowing what direction you were headed? Let Live On Purpose with Dr. Paul Jenkins be your guide. Live On Purpose will give you insights into your life and show you how you can become the driver and captain of it. No more aimless wandering. By learning the principles that govern happiness and wealth, you will be able to make personal progress that you have only dreamed possible. And now, here's your host, the shrink who expands your life, Dr. Paul. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Live on Purpose Radio. This is Dr. Paul, the shrink who expands your life. I'm excited to be back. I took about a week off to go visit the beautiful Eastern Caribbean. This was the Marital Magic Cruise, number two. We did another. We did one last year as well. That was number one. And this one was number two. And I am back in the studio. Today is Valentine's Day, February 14th, 2008. And I have in my studio with me here today three wonderful people who I dragged back from the Caribbean. I didn't find them there. I took them there with me. That's true. <laughs> we'd like to say we're glad to be back. But, well, I mean, we are, but we sure love to be in there, too. Mixed feelings, though, huh? Yes. That was pretty awesome. And while we were gone in the Caribbean, here in Utah, where our studios are located, there was an abundance of snow. We didn't see any snow when we were on the Marital Magic Cruise. Right, just the um, after effects of snow. Lots of water. There's lots of water that sort of ran down there after it melted up here in the mountains, right? Exactly. So a brief introduction. Two of these people have been on the show before. The third one is a rookie, brand new to our show. I'll introduce her first. Yeah, this real is, rookie. This is <laughs> Jamie Adams. Hi, Jamie. Hi. How are you, Paul? I'm doing great. Good. I'm so glad you're with us today. Thanks. I appreciate this. I'm excited. And Jamie is, shall we say, the better half? Yes, I would say the better half. The shorter half. <laughs> Dr. Jason Adams is seated right next to Jamie. These two are married. This and, is true. Very happily, I might add. That's going to tie in really well to the topic of our show today. I already told you that it's Valentine's Day. And we're going to be talking a little bit today about increasing fondness in marriage. So we've had kind of a fun discussion leading into this today prior to the show. But uh, Jason and Jamie, thank you for being here today. You guys have a wealth of experience that we're going to mine a little bit today. Well, thanks. Mm, I you think so. And yeah. uh, <laughs> reveal to the world just how wonderful the two of you are. I told them before the show that they're, they're the model couple or something yeah, like or that. Yeah, or something like that. Something <laughs> like that. But anyway, I'm glad you're here, and I think we'll have some fun discussion. And then seated over here on the other side of me is Craig Rollo. Hello, Paul. Hello, Craig. <laughs> How the heck are you? I'm better than I deserve. Sweet. Actually, that's probably not possible. No. When you really think about principles. Anyway, that's a whole different topic. We won't go there today. Maybe next time. Craig is a returning guest. You've heard him before on this show. And Craig and I are the ones that sort of initiated and started the whole marital magic stuff. Uh, we do retreats. We've done two cruises now. Craig, you and I both presented on this last cruise and had a good time doing that. Correct. And, uh, we're branching out. We've got another couples retreat coming up next month, uh, which we have opened up to all of the Creation Tree coaches. Uh, so it's gone beyond the, the small boundaries of the Marital Magic team that started this whole thing. It's no longer just you and I. It isn't, which is a good thing. Yes. Because you and I are getting old and feeble. Speak for yourself. <laughs> That's true. We're not really old. Maybe feeble. Oh, I'm sorry. No, not even feeble. No, we're still having a lot of fun. But this is a great panel of guests that I have here on the show today. And I've, I've had personal experiences with all of these people that led me to invite them to the show today. And so I want to start a little bit of discussion here that has to do with, with the relationship of marriage and and the type of relationship that you can form if you apply the right kinds of principles. So uh, I'd introduce this topic as increasing fondness in marriage. And I can give you a little bit of background about where that's coming from. Uh, in fact, Jason, you and I did a show 
pretty recently. Yeah, uh, probably a month ago, I think, I, I believe, yeah. And we talked about some similar things. And you mentioned something on that show that I wanted to call our listeners' attention to, and that was the idea of a positive sentiment override. Correct. It was coined by John Gottman, a, a well-known uh, relationship researcher. Mm-hmm. I actually heard Dr. Gottman speak in Salt Lake City several years ago. He, and he's a delightful person. He's he just is. He's very engaging. And you can pick this up in his writing, too, because he's the kind of person who's really well connected to people. And he has done all of this research on relationships and specifically marriage. Could you, Jason, take just a minute and and review that concept that we talked about before related to positive sentiment override. What is that, and why is it important in a relationship? Sure, I'd be happy to do that, Paul. Um, sentiment override in general really has to do with kind of the pervading feeling that's in a relationship. And the way Dr. Gottman explains it is that it's really easy to fall into a negative uh, sentiment, or another word for sentiment is feelings. So a negative kind of feeling generality in your relationship because mm -hmm. negativity can come so freely and um, almost without trying. Um, so when he talks about a sentiment override, it's, it's, it's the type of feeling in a relationship that prevails. And so if you're in a negative sentiment override, you're in a, in a relationship where you feel negatively about each other, you're more likely to be bothered or react to the way someone does something, and that can happen in marriage relationships quite a bit. So his idea about making sure that there's a positive sentiment override is to say that through the right amount of work um, and effort, you can make sure that there's a positive overriding feeling in your relationship, much the same way you would be with most of your close friends. You usually don't spend as much mm -hmm. time with your close friends as you do with your spouse or your children. And so you don't focus a lot on the little things that might bug you. You focus on the good times that you have together. And so there's this feeling of positivity in the relationship where if something does happen, you're going to give each other the benefit of the doubt almost always. And so mm -hmm. positive sentiment override is the place you want to be in any friendship relationship or um, really close relationship like a family relationship with a spouse or a child because that's where you're going to give them the benefit of the doubt you're going to um, you know, say, hey, this is maybe what this felt like, but it probably meant this. You know, maybe they're having a hard day instead of, oh, man, they're always like that. They, mm -hmm. they do this to me all the time, and that's the negative sentiment override. So positive sentiment mm -hmm. override is where we want to be, and Dr. Gottman suggests that it, it takes effort, that um, I can't remember if we, we said it was Gottman or Seligman that said something about a five-to-one ratio. Do you remember mm -hmm. that, I Paul? I believe that was Martin Seligman who was uh, a past president of the American Psychological Association and has done a lot of research on, uh, on positivity, on happiness. Uh, in fact, his website, I believe, is called AuthenticHappiness.org. Uh, but, but I know both of those researchers have, have looked a lot into this positive feeling, the positive sentiment override that you're talking about, the predominant feeling in a relationship. You know, as you were describing that, Jason, I was thinking about some interactions I've had recently with someone that I know very well who has some very difficult um, issues or dynamics that are going on right now between him and a business associate. And anytime anyone mentions this business associate or if he thinks of this business associate, he automatically goes into this very negative feeling and you can see it in his face i mean he cringes he gets this kind of like <clears throat> it's so pronounced that it's visceral isn't it you exactly can. a strong reaction a strong feeling and that would be exactly the opposite of what what you're talking about with a positive sentiment override so you can have any kind of a sentiment override can't you right when i think of positive sentiment override i think of those movies where Teenagers are falling in love, and, and I know Craig has a nice little saying about falling in love, but the idea of you're so wrapped up in wanting to be with a person that when you think of them, you're excited and you're happy to be with them or you feel great, 
that's positive sentiment override. That's where, that's where you want to be in a relationship. And, and when you're in that mode, you do overlook the, the problems or the things that, because there really are things wrong. I, I used to call it the missing tile syndrome. I just renamed it just today, just a few minutes ago, the missing bulb syndrome. You know, Christmas time, you get the bulbs, and you, you're missing one bulb. Oh, yeah. And you, what do you notice? The first thing you notice is that missing bulb, the bulb that's out. Right. And the truth is, and see, here's what I'd like to suggest about this whole thing that you're talking about, uh, Dr. Adams, is that the truth is most bulbs are fine. Most of the things in our marriage are really fine. But when we get focused on one bulb missing or a tile missing or a problem in the relationship, it overrides, as you, as you said, it overrides the truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it distorts it, doesn't it? Absolutely. So we're really living in illusion when we, when we get overcome by that and, and, and get into that negative sentiment, that negative feeling. So, Jamie, you've been listening in over there. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts so far about this topic? Oh, um, on a very literal level, I think uh, that it's real that we, that when we're in a situation of positive sentiment override, we feel good. Um, and obviously when we're not, we don't feel good. We feel negative and, and that can translate into our relationships. I've been thinking about a quote from, um, from one of C. Terry Warner's books called Bonds That Make Us Free. Mm-hmm. And he has a quote in there called, uh, or just a, a sentence that he then extrapolates on where he says, Adam is Adam's world. <clears throat> and what he goes on to describe with that is uh, that we, you know, that we do create essentially our own worlds and, and we, well, in the sense that we respond to people according to what we believe is true about them, about the situation, etc. Mm-hmm. And so positive sen- sentiment override is a great way to create a marriage, a, a friendship, um, a parent-child relationship that you really like because you're, mm. you're focusing on, on what is, you know, what is good and what makes you feel happy. And so for me, that means doing positive things for my husband, giving him positive sentiments a lot. Mm-hmm. That's the override part. So that if there is some negativity or if I'm late or if there's something else, then he just can say, oh, she gives me so much positive that it's okay today. You can you can feel whichever one you choose. Right, exactly. We'll pick this up again right after this next break. If the pile of books you want to read is growing faster than the pile you have read, then Abundant Reading Systems can help you. After taking Abundant Reading Systems course, I dramatically increased my ability to expand my knowledge in a much more efficient way. My fastest test today was in 7,000 words per minute. I highly recommend this program from what I've seen it do for other people who've been through the entire program and from what I've seen in myself today. I've teamed up with Abundant Reading Systems to offer a single-day intensive speed reading workshop that will at least double your reading speed, guaranteed. This belief started to grow inside of me that I thought, oh, I can really do this. I can read, you know, as fast as I let myself read. And uh, ended up doubling my time, my speed reading time, which was really good. This is David Henry, founder of Abundant Reading Systems. I want to personally invite you to join us for our next event. Visit AbundantReadingSystems.com now. Abundant Reading Systems, reading at the speed of imagination. Hi, this is Jason Adams, one of the co-founders of CashflowParadigm.com. We created Cashflow Paradigm as a way to help others look at money differently. What are your beliefs about money? Is it good or bad? Many people have beliefs that limit their control over money and don't even realize it. The thing most people don't realize is that their beliefs about money greatly affect the amount of money and prosperity they have. It's all about your paradigm. 
Come play a fun game with us called Cashflow 101 created by best-selling author Robert Kiyosaki. Come meet new people and check your paradigm as we learn principles that govern our personal and financial lives while having fun together. Currently, we are holding monthly game nights in Provo and St. George, Utah. Go to our website at www.cashflowparadigm.com to register for upcoming events. That's www.cashflowparadigm.com. Jamie, right before uh, the commercial when you were talking about the book Bonds That Make Us Free mm-hmm. by Terry Warner, I have really enjoyed that book. And I think that there are some really powerful principles there. We're tying that into this idea that you, you really kind of create whatever it is that you're going to experience in a relationship. Right. And you can choose what that's going to be. And if it's a choice, why wouldn't you choose something really cool and awesome and fun and feel good? As opposed to something that's just miserable and yucky and awful. Can I answer that question? I bet you could, Craig. <laughs> <laughs> I think I I think I have a pretty good idea. Fear. Uh, fear of what? Talking. Well, what would be the fear? Well, if I apologize, like we were talking before the show started, and I hope you're going to share that story, Jamie and Jason. Um, we were talking about that. That whole thing of someone apologizing first. Actually, why don't we give them a chance to yeah. share that? And then it'll give some more context. Okay, what you're about sure, to go say. ahead. Okay. Well, this is, um, <clears throat> this is my story, I guess, or at least from my viewpoint. And so we can have Jason clarify after if he chooses. But, I'd uh, love to do that. Yeah, <laughs> sure you would. We, uh, when we were relatively newly married, um, maybe a few years into our marriage, we uh, had a disagreement that was pretty intense from my viewpoint. And I was very upset. He was upset. And uh, and during the course of this, he apologized. And he apologized for his uh, contribution to the argument and also for hard feelings that he had had. In the course of the apology, then he says to me, and I want you to know that I would rather be with you than be right. And uh, even more, as I'm talking about this, I can't even remember what it was that we were arguing about at the time, but I can remember how it was resolved. And it really has stuck with me because it has become a very powerful way that I have related not only to him, but to other people ever since then. Uh, and that is first, I mean, two things. First being the, the idea that he would suggest to me that it was more, that our relationship was more important than what his perception was of what was right or what mine was, what was right. Uh, or I should say being in the right. I mean, even more than saying, I liked what he said even more than when people say, well, focus on what is right as opposed to who is right. I don't think he even cared about what was right. He just cared about being in a relationship with me. At least that's what I interpreted from, from what he said. Um, and then he was the one who was willing to apologize first. And I think that's what you're referring to, Craig, is his willingness to apologize and how that opened my mind because immediately he took control of that situation and I, I melted for one, and I apologized immediately and f- realized my part in it and was willing to take responsibility for my contribution. And, and I realized that it didn't, not only did it not lessen him in my eyes, but it made him seem so much bigger a person because he was able to do that. And I figured that not only that's who I wanted to be, but that I wanted, I just wanted to be more like that. And it was, it's just been something that I've been able to apply in our friendships, in, in other relationships to have to, to be, and I kind of call it the bigger person 
I don't know if that's really necessarily an accurate way to say it, but to be the one who's willing to be humble the first at first and say and apologize first, and that that's a really a, just a powerful tool for us. You know, I mean, I think back to that occasion, and Jamie has said this. She's reminded me of this a couple of times, and I think back to wondering where that came from because I don't know that that initially I was thinking of this profound statement to make, but I do remember back then in the early years that times of having some intense disagreements where they went on because I really wanted to be right. I thought, mm. you know, I am right. She's not right. I'm right. And I need to help her realize that. But it was in that moment <laughs> right. where Adam, the frustration was there. Adam is Adam's world. Exactly, See? sweetheart. <laughs> he was right in um, his world. At, at that time, uh, maybe it was an epiphany for me or a growth experience, but I realized that I didn't like feeling intense. I didn't like how intense this was, and I didn't want it to go on. And it probably had gone on for at least part of a day. And I was feeling frustrated, and the thought came to me. I had heard a quote by someone that I had admired, um, a man named Gordon Hinckley, and he said, Humility is concerned with what is right. Pride is concerned with who is right. And I was mm. feeling pretty prideful at that time, and there was a realization came over me. At least maybe I was given some ability to be humble in that moment. And before I said it, I had a realization that you can be right, and this relationship is going to go away, or you can hang on to this relationship. And mm. and in and have what you wanted, the real the reason why you got into this relationship. And so that came over me, and it melted me, and I no longer needed to be right. I didn't really care. And so when I told her that, that I'd rather be with her than be right, it wasn't something that I'd, like, made up so that I could sound really cool. I'd actually, I actually felt it. Yeah. You and didn't, it, didn't have a script for that one? Right. And, and he wasn't trying to manipulate me. I mean, that I certainly didn't feel that at all mm -hmm. but the interestingly the end result was guess what i realized that he was mm -hmm. probably right hmm so well you know what kind of what just one more thing because i i thought that in the past the thing that had worked out for me before and in difficult um confrontation situations and some of this i might have even learned through the process of learning to become a therapist but i found that if there was anything that i could do to get difficult feelings away from me it made it so much easier to soften the environment so that we could talk about something and so I realized a great real tool is to be willing to see what your part in is it and be freely willing to apologize for that there really is some power in that there um, and it's not about controlling the interaction. It's about being honest with each other. And it opens up and I guess maybe makes it safe where you can you can talk about something where maybe both of you have some fault in the disagreement, but it's okay to be at fault. And there's no longer that or as much fear of, of being wrong and then being looked down upon. You're back on equal footing. We've been trained, taught, and educated to not be wrong. And, you know, even in our school, we're, you know, you have these answers you have to give, and if you're wrong, you, you're docked for it. And who wants to be docked? Who wants to be wrong? And that's where I was talking about the fear factor. Um, the fear that if, well, if I apologize, then the other person's going to think they're right and I was wrong. And, oh, my gosh, then what will happen? But I loved what you said, Jamie. You said how you melted what happened to the fondness factor oh it went up oh my phenomenally. respect for him my yeah my feelings about myself everything see my wife had to teach me that <laughs> she did Craig, that I think she's our wife too teach us all that uh, yeah jamie's done us. plenty of teaching to me also but in that interaction her response further melted me you know it it Drew us together yeah. where before, because maybe each of us were l more worried about 
our position and making sure that the person understood our position, we were distancing and distancing, or at least there was this huge wall in between us. We were able to break that mm -hmm. wall down by an apology. This is something that John Gottman talks about in his book. I, I think the title of it, is, of it is Seven Principles for Making Marriage Work. Oh, look at that. You got a copy of it right here on the desk by John Gottman. And he talks about the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Do you remember that? Mm -hmm. He does. And these four horsemen are criticism, defensiveness, contempt, and stonewalling or isolation. And it starts with criticism. And anytime you feel attacked, you're going to naturally put up your defenses. So this experience that, that you two have shared with us gives an example of, of what the opposite of that would be. As you, as you apologize, as you accept and own your own part of whatever conflict you might have, the defenses come down. You guys use the word melting. Mm. And the picture that I have in my mind is this, this shield or this wall that's in front of you just sort of comes down. And then that opens you up to a more intimate, closer connection with another individual. And, and the defenses coming up just kind of drive you further apart. So having, uh, Craig, I like what you were saying about the fear too. Sometimes we fear being wrong and so we insist on being right. And I was remembering something that, uh, that my friend Kevin Whittington said on this show uh, probably a couple of months ago when he said you can be in relationship. You can be right or you can be in relationship. You can't do both. Was he the one who said he had an addiction? That he was addicted to being right and that was something that he was... I think he might have mentioned yeah, that too. I thought that was a funny way to... Because uh -huh. I... You know, I can see myself and, you know, even s a few others that you know, have that type of addiction as well. And well, that's a we, hard one. we get so uptight about that. But, Jamie, you, you gave a really good insight to that, too, when you said that as, as your defenses came down and as you saw Jason's effort to, to get close to you and to reinforce his commitment to you and to really communicate to you that you're more important than any issue, your defenses came down and you were willing to consider that his position maybe was a good position. Right, right. Yeah. And, and then you'd consider it. Yeah. <clears throat> and and it goes, yeah, the, the idea of kind of giving, being able to give each other the benefit of the doubt. And it's definitely been something for me that, that has been um, a hard one to, I guess, to really wrap my mind around and, and to be consistent with. But... <clears throat> but giving the benefit of the doubt can save any relationship. Be willing to, to look at something from somebody else's perspective. Mm -hmm. That's right. You know, well, there's, a lot of, give it. there's a lot of directions we can take this. Stick with us. We'll be right back. Larson, IdeaOrbit.com, with the World of Ideas Report. Get out the wipes, because this could get messy. Or maybe not. Would you ever believe that you could use diapers as your next million-dollar idea? That is exactly what Charlotte Folks did after being fired from her job. She decided to turn an old, interesting hobby into a successful business. She called her product Baby Cakes. What exactly is a baby cake? Charlotte Fox began designing the most elaborate and interesting gift baskets made out of real diapers. She places all kinds of baby gifts in the baskets and turns them into works of art. Charlotte heard often, as many people do, you should sell those. Instead of taking the normal route, she decided to do just that. Baby Cakes is now an international phenomenon. Charlotte's company has grown significantly. She now employs baby cake makers to help with the growth of her enterprise. If you are looking for an idea, it might be just under your nose, even if you have to pinch your nose to look at it. At least that was the case for Charlotte folks and baby cakes. 
This is Shay Larson, IdeaOrbit.com, with the World of Ideas Report. If you live in the Utah County area, and if you like what you hear on this show, then this opportunity is for you. I am hosting a weekly mastermind group called Paradigm Insurance every Wednesday from 4 to 5.30 at my office in Orem. Call Eric at 801-226-7544. Register. We prefer an abundant atmosphere, so please wipe your mind before entering. That number again, 801-226-7544. And when you dream, dream big, as big as the ocean. Hey, welcome back. We've got some great discussion going on during the commercials, too. We're going to try to capture a little bit about uh, what we're talking about for you listeners as well, because there's an abundance of some great stuff. I'm, I'm remembering about a week and a half ago, Craig, I think we were somewhere, I don't know, maybe just a little bit southwest of the of uh, Bahamas, and we were in a conference room on board a ship, and you were talking a little bit about some love languages. Yes. Would you like to give us a little summary of that? Well, sure. Uh, uh, there's there's different love language books and, and ideas out there. Uh, Gary Chapman, Dr. G Gary Chapman has a book called The Five Love Languages. John Lund is the one that I used for the cruise. And what it, what it does is it, it helps us to understand what the other person, our spouse, interprets as love. Because as we were talking during the during the break here, what I want to give as love is what I would like to get as love. And that's the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. But the mm -hmm. platinum rule, everybody knows the platinum rule, right? We're going to hear it. <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs> I sure hope so, Craig. <laughs> the, the platinum rule is do unto others as they would have you do unto them. So what we want to find out is what is... What does my wife or what does my husband interpret as love? I use the example of the, the back scratching thing. The, the husband grew up in a family where there was none of that touchy-feely stuff, not, not lots of that kind of thing. And the wife, that's, that's all they did, but they didn't know that before they were married because they didn't do a lot of that. But when she wanted to express love and she scratches back and he'd say, Ooh, yuck! Yeah, found so it irritating, she, maybe. Yeah, absolutely. And what did she feel when he rejected that expression to, from her perspective, her expression of love? Well, mm -hmm. you're rejecting my, my fondness, my love. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which is very personal. Uh, it can be interpreted that way. Uh, well, and I've taught before. There's always a personal and an impersonal component to every offense. But that's another show, too, I guess. <laughs> when, when you attempt, though, to communicate love and fondness and closeness and intimacy to another person, and that is rejected, that is a very, very difficult position for a person to be in. It is, yeah. This, Jason, you had an insight about this as, uh, well, on the cruise, and then as we've talked about it since, about just the knowledge of this, this dynamic can be helpful. You want to comment about that? A little sure, bit? I'd love to. You know the the thing that strikes me about this, and and Jamie here, we were having a discussion about this. She's read uh, Gary Chapman's book in depth, and she said for her the thing that made the biggest difference was realizing that there are different ways that people express and recognize heartfelt love from others, and mm -hmm. th that fact alone, just the fact of realizing that there may be other ways to express love and that your spouse may recognize it in a different way than you are used to. And the fact that that happens in marriages or in relationships in general makes a ton of sense to me from a, uh, you know, a psychologist standpoint in working with families. Most of us grow up in families that have different histories than our spouses. 
you know, mm-hmm. just the way that Craig gave the example. You know, in one family, there's a lot of touching, and that's how they show affection. In another family, not a lot of touching. Maybe um, words of of affirmation or saying you did a great job and, and mm-hmm. praise. In another family, it could be, you know, you do things for each other, and that's how you show show the love. And if and if you don't spend a lot of time in your courtship realizing that there might be different ways you did things, you could easily go into your relationship and feel rejected and feel that the deep way you're trying to show love to your spouse is not being recognized, and then you start shutting down and you start not wanting to show mm-hmm. love. And that's the beginning of this process of distancing. So, Jamie, you're the one who, who sort of uh, introduced some of these ideas to Jason. Sounds like this is yeah. a pattern. Well, he's he's the he's the psychologist. He's got his <laughs> doctorate, and I read all the so he reads all the textbooks, and I read all the pop psychology, and then <laughs> we discuss. It. Well, I also said earlier <laughs> in good the balance. Okay. Yeah. we were talking in the in the break that Jamie and I's relationship is a great example of of synergy in in a relationship she gives me the cliff notes of all the cool books because she loves Uh to read and so they're like oh yeah i know a little bit about this book and that (laughs) because of jamie because you've had the introduction (laughs) Mm -hmm. well jamie you read this book uh, by dr gary chapman Mm -hmm. uh, called the five love languages could you just i think jason's been sort of skirting around this and and sort of summarizing a few of them what are these five love languages According to Chapman, and I know there's other versions. Uh, Craig, you mentioned uh, Lund. Yeah, John Lund has John just three. Lund. There's three, so you want five, you want three, I don't know. But the, the key factor here is that there are different ways that people experience it. Let's just kind of go over the five, at least for our listeners, to give them an idea of what we're talking about when we, when we mention these love languages. Do you want to summarize that, Jamie, sure. since you've read that book? Sure. Uh, I think he uses the word languages uh, just to represent, obviously, the way that we communicate. And the first one he lists is words of affirmation. And just as an aside, this is the one that tends to be more common for women, um, but also is a very prevalent one in American culture and society. And he does comment that cultures, different cultures, recognize love differently. Um, the you know Americans were a very verbal culture, whereas other cultures will do other things. For example, the next one is quality time. Before we get too far, though, while we're on words of affirmation, what does that mean? Oh. I th- I think of uh, praise or positive comments mm-hmm. or or validating statements, expressions of gratitude. Uh, I think would fit in there. So mm-hmm. it's really more of the verbal. Yes, definitely. Uh, yeah, yeah, I would say that it is verbal even because it would be different even than a a thank you note. It's more just mm-hmm. saying it. Yeah, that might be more visual uh, according to Lund, for example. Oh, to right. show me, mm-hmm. show mm-hmm. me you love me. Send me a note. Send okay. me a flower. And for Lund, it was more of a verbal, visual, physical, action. or physical. Physical, verbal, and visual. Okay. Okay. Oh, that's interesting. And as a side here, that very first one is one that Jamie's very good at in our podcast. The last one that you and I did, Paul, mm-hmm. we talked about um, being grateful for your spouse in in private and public ways, you know, genuinely mm-hmm. grateful. And that's one thing that Jamie does for just about anyone that she knows. She does it well for me. She'll say nice things. Mm-hmm. In fact, she just did it on this podcast, right? In that mm-hmm. <laughs> in she does a little example, she made me look good. And <laughs> she, this is... Jason, this is really good information for you because as you see Jamie doing that, she is revealing exactly. to you exactly. what exactly. her love language is. And if you tune into oh, that and you start doing that too, and you do it, you do it as well, Jason. I've heard you do it. Yeah. I know Vicki has trained me to do a number of things too. <laughs> it's good that we can get information from each other that way. Jamie yes. even did it to me on the cruise with the, with the song. She, she did some of that to me. Mm-hmm. Oh, right. I don't remember that. Yeah, See, she well, does it even when she <laughs> doesn't know she's doing she it. She does right. it unconsciously. That's yeah. right. Naturally. It's part there, of how are you feeling, is. Jamie? Yeah, no, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it. Is this the kind of love that Positive you recognize, Jamie? Right. Yes, I do. I do very much, and I appreciate this. It's great. I could just sit here for a while. 
just bask in yeah, that. You can right. go replay it too. Yeah, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's all right. recorded. It's all recorded. So the second one, quality time. Mm-hmm. Yes, second one is quality time, and that's just obviously what it says: just time spent with someone alone. Um, a lot of women, you know, my friends have expressed their desire to spend more time with their husband on a date or mm-hmm. uh, just in a in a in a situation where they're not on the phone or or they're doing something else where you're getting their full attention. Uh, children, children, especially love this one. Uh, and and uh, grow and flourish when they have quality time from their parents. I was just thinking as you introduced it that that may be a developmental issue too because oh. different people have, have different needs and preferences and wants, but I really think that developmentally children is respond very strongly to that quality time. So meaning at different stages or ages that there's mm-hmm. that love languages can be different that I've never thought about that That's well and from parent to child how powerful it is it is it to tell your child that you love them and then what if you were to actually spend time with them too right no that's true <laughs> what a concept I've yeah. had so many kids in my office where they th- their parents tell them all the time that mm-hmm. they love them but they don't have any really powerful memories or you know, these positive sentiment experiences with their parents because the quality time has been missing. I I was going to point that out. Even as adults, those can change and do change. And oftentimes, as a result of the marriage, we sometimes morph (laughs) towards one another. That makes complete sense to me. Mm -hmm. So what's what's the third one? The third one, then, is receiving gifts. So meaning if my love language is to receive gifts, then I interpret that my husband loves me when he brings me flowers mm. for no reason. Or if he um, You mean when it's not me. Valentine's Day? Exactly. Well, and today is Valentine's Day. Yeah. You know, <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. I've had, Vicki and I kind of joke about this sometimes because there are times when because of whatever we've got planned or you know we just went on this cruise and so we might have a discussion that goes something like well our gift to each other will be this and we won't have any gifts for this event whatever it is and for someone whose primary love language is receiving gifts that's probably not going to fly right and and so you have to interpret that in light of what you know about your spouse mm-hmm. and probably give it anyway <laughs> Right, and I think that's where, you know, there's the stereotype where women understand certain things and men are supposed to get that then, you know, without uh, without them being having to be specific. And so oh. learning this subtle love language art could, could really but enhance Jamie, relationships. But Jamie, men are really great mind readers. Yeah. Aren't so they? <laughs> yeah. yeah. She's laughing hysterically yeah, now. No. Actually, I don't think anybody is a really great mind reader. The better you get to know someone, the more you're going to pick up on the little subtle cues and things like that and understand what their love language is. But what if we could start communicating this a little more openly to each other mm-hmm. within a marriage? Yeah. That could be cool. You mean with things like, I would really prefer mm. blank, fill in the blank. Yeah. All right, we'll pick it up with this when we get back. This is Dr. Paul. You've heard me talk about a lot of things on this show, and I've interviewed some pretty amazing guests. I love what I do, and one of the nearest things to my heart is my role as a husband and father. I've worked a lot with others who place a strong emphasis on family, and I feel this is my primary purpose, to help others save and enrich their key relationships. It's in this spirit that I invite you parents to join me for a free weekly dose of parental power. Register for this free teleconference at drpaul.org or send me an email at drpaul at creationtreecoaching.com. You will receive an email with the call-in number and access code. The calls are live every Tuesday morning from 1130 to 12 o'clock Mountain Time. I'd love to be part of your parenting team. Hello, Live On Purpose listeners. How many times have we heard Dr. Paul talk about one of his favorite books, 
The Dog Poop Initiative, a true story by Kurt Weasler. Well, where does he get his books at? He gets them at morebetterbooks.com, and now so can you. Go there today and enjoy free shipping for the holidays and special holiday bundles where you can buy huge piles of books at huge savings at morebetterbooks.com so you can have a more better life and live that life on purpose. So we've talked about the first three love languages. We've got words of affirmation, quality time, and receiving gifts. And Jamie, you were talking about some things during the break about the gift receiving because that's that's really not your bag. Yeah, no, I was uh, I was just sharing the fact that I'm not a stuff person. I don't I don't like extra stuff. If if there's too much stuff in my house, I'll just start taking loads to di before jason can even protest (laughs) wait i don't want that you know what that's that's been a place where it's morphed for me i don't like stuff that much anymore either so Mm. it's wonderful yeah Mm -hmm. yeah which i'm grateful for uh but that being my thing if someone gives me a gift especially if it's something that i just don't need i i've got enough candles and lotion to last me the rest of my life um you know by well-meaning friends and and there were times when I would think, oh, well, thanks, but why are you giving me more stuff? I don't need this. And I would almost think that it was an unkind gesture, or I could kind of interpret it that way as, oh, this wasn't thoughtful. But mm-hmm. because of this book uh, and just the concept of it being somebody else's love language, it has completely changed the way I view that. So now I think, oh, okay, good. Now I know how, number one, how to relate to that person. They give gifts. That is one of the ways that they show love. And so I can do that for them. Whether mm-hmm. and, and I just keep my store of candles in motion and I can use that for... Re-gifting. You know, exactly. Re-gifting. <laughs> hey, you know what, Jamie? I was also realizing you had, you had an epiphany here mm-hmm. with, uh, with the candles and lotion and the stuff that these people are bringing over. And you realized they're not giving me stuff. Right. They're expressing, They're expressing their love, love for me and caring. And mm-hmm. when you receive it that way, and it's not about the stuff, then the stuff doesn't matter. Right, right. And you could, right. as soon as they leave, you could get rid of the stuff and still have the gift. Yes. Which mm-hmm. is their love and their appreciation and admiration for you. Yeah. And the fact that they took time to think of something to give, that thoughtfulness mm-hmm. is part of the gift. Mm-hmm. It's the thought that counts sort of thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, exactly. And to be, and and especially when it's a, a close family member, you know, for me, a parent or a, uh, one of my, you know, because Jason and I are pretty good at at communicating what works for us. He knows that I like words of affirmation more than most anything else, you know. And I know what he likes, but if it's someone else that I don't want to disregard their love for me, but to be able to, like we said earlier, give them the benefit of the doubt immediately. Mm-hmm. Oh, what else could this mean? Oh, this could mean that they love me period. And so I have a good feeling and I can let go of anything else that I might associate with, you know, my interpretation of a, an, an unthoughtful gift. Mm-hmm. Which all fosters fondness. It does. That's right. right. Isn't, it? Yeah. Isn't this what we're talking about today? That's true. Mm-hmm. Sweet. And I'm just feeling warm and fuzzy having this discussion. <laughs> I'm glad we could help Get- you out, Dr. Well, let's go to the next one. What's the what's the number four? Okay, number four is acts of service. Mm, and mm-hmm. I can't even think of that without thinking of my mother. That's how she is. She just does acts of service. She loves to serve mm-hmm. people. And I would say I grew up in a family like that too. So when mm-hmm. I think of ways to help Jamie or to show my love for her, I, I do my best to try to clean things or to do something to take her, take the load off of her or vice versa, mm-hmm. you know. Which I appreciate as well. So don't think I'm, that that's right. not one of my life. But as I'm, mm-hmm. as I'm doing the dishes, I say, sweetheart, you are so wonderful at this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I throw in the affirmation <laughs> as well. <laughs> you know, th- this is an important point, though. I think all of these are love languages. They're different ways of expressing uh, the sentiment, the positive sentiment that we were talking about at the first of the show. And they're not mutually exclusive. I think that people will have different preferences or predominant languages, if you want to call it that, 
uh, through which they like to express those feelings, but it doesn't mean don't do the others. It just means sort of tune in, see if you can find out what the preferences are, and then watch what they're doing too because they're going to give you clues about how to interact with them. Uh, yeah. Deb, this morning, Debbie gave me a, a whole bunch of little hearts, and on each one was written something that she really appreciated about me. One of them was doing the dishes, <laughs> you know. That's awesome. That's so cool, she yeah. really appreciates that, and I felt great about it because I'm with you, Jamie. I like those affirmation things. Mm -hmm. Those are those are big to me as well. That's cool. That's a great idea. I like to use it. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. So this acts of service is more of a show me that you love me. Right. More than a tell me that you love me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's, again, I'm not saying just, you know, pick one or the other. Probably do both. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Oh, sure. If you really want to increase the fondness in your relationship. But tune into your spouse. I know that Vicki, for example, she's not here to, to speak for herself. We'll get her on another episode. Uh, but I know that that's an important one for her. And I know that because I watch what she does. And Adam over here at the the computer can probably attest to this as well she spends her days performing service for her family and for other people that are important to her as well but uh, when we were gone on this cruise for a week it was kind of funny because one of our sons uh, who's just younger than Adam uh, was was speaking to a group of people on Sunday and he mentioned that his parents had been gone for a week and he says and during this week that they were gone we were more productive than ever. <laughs> and what he meant was all of this stuff that sort of automatically happens because mom just does it, right. they had to step up and do it. Right. And I think it imp increased their appreciation for mom and all of this service that she provides. But, you know, if I'm, if I'm really tuned in, I'll watch that. And I'll see that she is committed to serving on a consistent daily basis and that that's one of her love languages. That's how she expresses that love to other people. And knowing that, what am I going to do now? You know, <laughs> Because that's not particularly the same love language that I have, but I can see that that's hers. And so I can adjust my behavior to increase the fondness in our relationship. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I, I think it. it's a powerful, it's just a powerful way to think about any relationship. Mm-hmm. I think so. So there's one more. Yep, the last one. It's physical touch. And then Craig referenced it earlier. Just ways, you know, the family that that's how they are. They hug and they scratch backs and they say, you know, we love you. Yeah. They <laughs> poke people in the face. Nice. <laughs> I don't I don't know if you remember, but when we when I did this on the cruise, uh one of the guys said, Wow, I am super high on the physical. Mm -hmm. you know, we were only just using the three, but the physical correlates to this one mm -hmm. and uh you know and his his wife was really oh no wonder you know it was, it was like a revelation <laughs> for her which you'd think you know they've been married a while <laughs> you'd think they might know that but again it can change and so we got to kind of keep in touch with that like you said uh, paul mm -hmm. kind of we we need to notice and i think that's a really important thing to do is to pay attention and notice how people react to what we're trying to give them, how they receive mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and anytime you're willing to do that, kind of like the saying sorry, it puts you in the driver's seat and being in control of yourself brings a lot of, at least for me, brings a lot of peace. I don't, I don't worry so much about where, he, where my husband's at. Because mm -hmm. I'm taking control of it for me. Mm -hmm. Jamie, could, could I suggest that it, it gets rid of the fear? Yeah. It, what it does yeah, is it, I think ultimately what it does is addresses the fear that we're feeling. Because I think for, for the most part, the scarcity emotions, I, I like to call them, that we experience are pretty much founded in fear. And if we can begin to, oh, so what am I afraid of here? And how can I get past that so we can get back to that fondness and that unconditional love kind of a mm -hmm. scenario? You know, one thing that I've noticed, you know, just in my own practice with psychology and helping families, is a lot of us don't realize that 
that we have a way of seeing things that we develop based on the family we grew up in. And as we experience more in life with other families and other people, we realize that there may be different ways of doing things, but we tend to think our way is the way. And some of us get stuck in seeing our way, maybe with related to these love languages, as the only way to get and give love or the only way to do things. And that's where we get into those stalemates, those those walls that that come up in us needing to be right about this because maybe we're afraid that if we're wrong then there's something wrong with us because we don't realize that that the way we know how to do things is one of the many possible ways of doing things Mm -hmm. so this whole idea about love languages really for me opens up the possibility that there are different ways of seeing things and so it makes it so if your way isn't effective in this situation doesn't mean that you're wrong and you've always been wrong and there's something wrong with you. It just means, hey, it's an opportunity to open up and see other possibilities. And that makes a huge difference in relationships. I think the whole analogy of language is helpful here too, especially if you speak a second language. Which language do you prefer when you're really talking about things that are meaningful and deep and intimate to you? You're always going to go back to your mother tongue, basically. You're going to go to that first language uh, that is the most predominant and the most meaningful to you. And you can learn another language. And that's not a problem. And it wouldn't make sense to go out there to the world and say, hey, your language is wrong. Mine is right. Oh, I don't know. The French have (laughs) some (laughs) some opinions about that. (laughs) You've got some direct experience there, don't you? And you speak French, as I yeah, recall. Yeah, I do. It's my way. Yeah. Well, this has been a, a helpful discussion. I want to give our listeners a couple of resources to help them out with um, just taking the next steps and moving forward. We've referenced a book by Gary Chapman, C-H-A-P-M-A-N, called The Five Love Languages, How to Express Heartfelt Commitment to Your Mate. And... Uh, that is one of the resources that you can go to. We've also talked about Dr. John Gottman, G-O-T-T-M-A-N, The Seven Principles for Making Marriage Work. And then, uh, Craig, you, you referred to uh, Lund. Which book was that? Actually, that I didn't get that from a book. I got it from a, a C, an oh, audio oh, CD okay. that I listened to. In fact, mm-hmm. I think you have a copy of that. But, but uh, Oh, I remember the one you're talking about. Right, but okay. and and we also referenced uh, Bonds That Make Us Free by C. Terry Warner, which I highly recommend to anyone who wants to move out of uh, scarcity emotions and get honest and real and authentic, if you will, mm-hmm. thereby creating more fondness. Right. Another powerful experience that I want to point you to, and this is a little time sensitive. Today is February 14th on March 20th. 21st and 22nd, the three of us, Craig, Jason, Dr. Paul, along with about five other Creation Tree coaches. This is a powerful lineup, you guys. I've been putting together the itinerary today. We will be presenting a two-day couples retreat. Now, I mentioned three dates for a two-day retreat. We're doing the seminars on two days, Friday and Saturday, the 21st and 22nd of March, We will be having some social, fun, mingling, get-to-know-you activities on Thursday evening. This will be held at the Homestead Resort in Midway, Utah. Beautiful setting. These are my old stomping grounds. I grew up there. And uh, we're going to come together for this fantastic experience. If you would, and this is a couples retreat. It's intended for married couples to attend this this retreat. If you would like to get in touch with, with us about that, feel free to contact Eric at Creation Tree Coaching. Uh, You can send an email if you'd like uh, to any one of us. Um, I think we all have Creation Tree Coaching accounts. So Craig at creationtreecoaching.com or Jason. Dr. Jason. Dr. Jason, Dr. Jason at creationtreecoaching.com or Dr. Paul at creationtreecoaching.com. We can get you hooked up with this thing, and we're excited to bring that to you as another opportunity to take these principles and really apply them. Plus, we'd have fun getting to know you. (laughs) So we'd love to have you come and be a part of that. 
experience with us. Anything uh, any of you want to say in closing? I, I would just like to say something about the retreat. Uh, I want to make sure that couples understand that this is not just for troubled people. This is for people who just want to create a greater marriage than what they already have. So I just want to throw that out there because I think there might be some confusion sometimes. So troubled like us. Yeah. Sort of. Yeah. Well, okay. and Jamie and I have participated in several of these retreats, and they've been very valuable to me. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and I've studied this material, and I just love it. And I love the associations and the friendships that are made. Well, this is good stuff. Contact us if you'd like to be uh, to get in touch with that. You can also go to, um, I believe we have some information up on creationtreecoaching.com, but you can give us an email if you're interested in that event. We can give you more information, get you hooked up. So thanks for joining us for, for today's show. I appreciate you guys being here with us today. Oh, it's our pleasure. Thanks yes. for having us. You're welcome. Lots thanks of fun. So yeah. Okay. Well, let's um, uh, invite everybody to come on back for our next episode. We will uh, be back in about a week with another episode of Live on Purpose Radio. And in the meantime, go out there, make some light in this world, live on purpose. And have a great time. Keep smiling, everybody. Happy Valentine's Day. We'll catch you you next time. Thanks, Dr. Paul.